So we are about to engage. We're using as our as our work to explore the inner dimensions of our spiritual self. The sefer written by Rabbi Shnazam of Liadi called the sefer Atanya or Likute Amorim, and we got to the point where exploring exploring we've already put across which I thought was an incredibly powerful way of helping us to delineate the parameters of our own spiritual dimensions. He put aside the part of us which doesn't have a spiritual aspiration, which he calls the animal soul, the nefesh abahamis. And I suppose by defining the ways of being and engaging the world through our animal, animal self, when we can access the part of us that's not doing any of that stuff, we may very probably find ourselves enveloped by the godly soul, which is really where we want to get to. But now the, the Balatanya is explaining what the Nefesh HaShayin Yisrael is all about, and he says something which, if we had internalized it, it would probably be a shocking revelation. But I suppose because the words themselves are so, are so, so far away from my experience, or we haven't yet found the ex- point of accessibility to our experience, so it appears as if when we say something which is an earth-shattering um, erupting chidush, it resonates with us as if we just said that we're having crumpets for tea, which, truth be told, would be a quite exciting thing to have. But crumpet, yeah, crumpets for tea. Mm-hmm. It means that you have the crumpets with the tea. Ah, there you go. It's like a puffed up pancake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, this is exactly what I was talking about, about (laughs) cultural dilution. (laughs) Absolutely. What's what the Queen's English? We don't have the Queen's English. Sorry. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what's the culture is? You know what tea is? love tea. Yeah, that's true. I told you it was an American. Here we go. So, so just to get focused, and I, I didn't mean to bring up the whole crumpets thing. I apologize. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, we're talking about like <laughs> the greatest spiritual truth, and uh, we do get more excited about crumpets. I think I think I got the point across well. <laughs> I literally said, and this is what the godly side is. And you're, okay, but what about the crumpets? Uh, I think we have in the background over there. We have Yosef and 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 Joel are still exploring the crumpet theory. Okay, very nice. Here we go. So we're back to the back to the soul. We're far away from crumpets, and let's see which one makes more of an impact. The way the Balatani introduces the godly soul is by saying that the nefesh Hashem is Israel, the second part of the soul in the Jews, It's a piece of Hashem from above, really, really. That's really what it is. Now imagine if we have that even a remote capacity to integrate that awareness into ourselves, how we would feel about ourselves in our day-to-day life. That would be such an ennobling thought, so powerful and so engaging that I'm actually, the essential core of my being is this inviolable, incorruptible spiritual essence, which is profound and it's a piece of God himself, which means it bespeaks any kind of goodness and power and compassion and the greatest of all greats. I'm contained within myself and I'm walking around with that. And then you fail a test. How do you think you'd feel? (laughs) No different. Because it would just so disappear into insignificance. Anything that could ever happen to me, I would be filled with this ongoing sense of incredible purpose and unbelievable, um, unshakable worth. And by implication, 
the fact that we struggle as a generation so deeply with the notion of wealth, worth, and that self-esteem is such a spoken about topic, and the notion of worthlessness seems to be so rife, by implication, we're speaking in ourselves from a spiritual perspective in a generation that is disconnected from this integrated idea of the fact that we're carrying around the deepest spiritual resource comprehensible beyond any mortal being. We are infinite. We are eternal. We are compassion beyond compassionate. We are kind beyond kind. We are powerful beyond powerful. We are balanced beyond balanced. We have the power to be in, contained with inside of ourselves. And yet, we are so disconnected, it's almost as if that thing that we carry around about with us is invisible. We're unaware of it, and therefore we locate ourselves in the periphery of our experience, which is something the measurable, quantifiable, mortal, animal experience of existence. And in that world, there's enormous amount of room for volatility, for fluctuations, because in that world, the way we measure ourselves is based on output and utility. And if I didn't do the right job, I didn't get the right thing, I didn't look the right way, so then I do lose my worth as a finite being. The next step he took was the relationship between the creation of the soul in a very unique fashion. The world was brought into being through the words of Hashem. Man was brought into a living state through the breath of Hashem. And the, the notion of breathing into the nostrils, the breath of life, Nishmas Chaim, which is associated, connotes what we call the neshama, which we translate as the soul. So the soul entered into us through our nostrils where we were breathed in and the Balatanya asserts that the breath that was breathed into us is coming from the essence of Hashem. So when I breathe out my breath, I'm breathing out my essence. It's almost as if Hashem transferred His essence into us through this breath of life. And that's what created man to be an animated being. Until then, he was a static, as it were, cast of a human. And he was immobile. And he was unthinking. There was, everything was there except this breath of life. And the breath of life animated man and brought him into a state of being, of functioning, of life, but more importantly, of spiritual perception based on the fact that its innermost essence is a spiritual core. And the Balatanya continues. And now it gets a little bit tricky for us to understand based on our Western paradigm. <laughs> The souls of the Jewish people arose in Hashem's thought. The, the neshamas of Israel were in Hashem's thought. And why do we know and how do we know that the neshamas of Hashem were in Hashem's thought? Obviously, it's very difficult to start speaking about a being that we can grasp nothing of. It. So we're only ever speaking in borrowed terms. It's called anthropomorphisms, that we're using descriptions that we can relate in terms of ourselves, but obviously they're inapplicable to God, but we have to find some language of expression. So we speak about God's thoughts. And we say, 
Jew, the Jews were in God's thoughts. And how do we know the Jews are in God's thoughts? They're in his highest part of him. The highest part, not in the deeds, but in the thoughts, which is the most, the part that's closest to our essence. How do we know that? Because the Jewish people are called the children of Hashem. So how is that a proof? Well, it depends where the origin of a child is from. The way we perceive the origin of a child is through the act of reproduction. But the Baratani is a very different paradigm. And he says that the reproductive capacity doesn't originate in the actual act of reproduction, but way, 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 way before that. And therefore he says that... He says, just like the child is drawn down from the mind of the father, from the mind of the father, so too the Jewish people are drawn down from the mind of Hashem. So this is a very obviously... uh, unexpected and unusual presentation of the origin of reproduction but the to explain it I suppose um, in a way that we can grasp to some degree that intention that's me sound like you sound like a phone um, intention 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 describes um, intention is an important thing intention informs an action so even though an action has has a physical manifestation and you can do the act with or without intention when you add intention to it it's almost as if the origin of the action stems at a much higher point inside the person for example if, I'll give you an example and then you'll probably understand it. If you're walking next to a person and you inadvertently knock them with your elbow, so that's an action, the, the elbow knock, but there's no intention. You didn't know the person was there. You didn't intend to hurt them in any way. That's a very different experience to exactly the same scenario, but this time you intended to knock them with the elbow. Assuming that the force of the blow was identical and the physical action was an absolute duplicate, but the intention completely changes the nature of the act from an inadvertent collision to a deliberate blow. So intention is a capacity to change. Now intention doesn't occur in the body. Intention occurs in the mind. So the Balatanya says that the origin of a child is in the intention and in the mind of the father. That he one day wants to have children. Sorry? That he one day wants to have children. No. Actually, in the, in the act of reproduction, it's almost as if, to put it in a very um, concrete fashion, that the seed is drawn down from the mind. I told you this is very difficult to grasp. Did I not? But just use it as, a, as metaphorically speaking that the origin of the child is not from the father's loins. It's from his mind. If, if you want to say it slightly differently, maybe this will help you, that what the child carries from its father is the entirety of the father. He is the genetic derivative of his father who is the progenerator of him. 
The father is a prototype and the child is a derivative. So everything that the father is, he gives over to the child. Father and mother. So if we are a child of Hashem, it means our DNA is Hashem's DNA, Kivuyachal, as it were. That's that's perhaps an easier way of accessing it. Meaning the father is not dislocated, the the son is not dislocated, the, the son is everything that his father is. But not just his physical body. He carries to a certain degree his emotional and his intellectual and in the spirit of spirituality, his spiritual genes as well. Well, how do you transfer spiritual genes? It must be that what's happening in that moment of reproduction is not just a physical act. Everything that goes with a physical act, everything that goes with a person's being is transferred in that moment of conception. Even the highest parts of the person. I like the physical act is the very baseline level of thinking of it. If you go one step deeper, deeper. In other words, you see, you see, see. thought which does actions. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly it, but it's more like the point that he's trying to make is that the um, the child is not. Uh, purely a physical product of the father but carries the essence of the father with him and therefore if we are considered the children of Hashem so it means we carry the essence of Hashem which is a further proof to his notion of the origin of the Nisham is from the highest place in Hashem have I lost everyone? Um, I've lost you Ed I'm happy to hear that (laughs) I was hoping it was judging by the people who lied and said they weren't lost that wouldn't have an opportunity to re-explain. Before I go back to you, just like to a question from Yaakov. Um, so, in other words, is Rav saying that like a more cleaner, clearer version of Hashem's manifestation through the Father um, come about through having the most utmost pure kavana in the process of uh, creating that child? I mean, what you're saying is also true, but that wasn't what I was saying. Okay. But what you're saying is true. Um, yeah, Tomir. What do you mean practically by the essence of the Father? Okay, so let me try say it again. The Balatanya is trying to put across a point. The point he's trying to put across is the awareness of what is the nature of our soul? What is the nature of a soul? How do you grade it? What value does it have? How much does it weigh? How much is it worth? Is it precious? Is it not precious? How precious is it? So you could say, you know, I suppose there have been un- unlimited um, possibilities of what a soul could be. A soul could be a spiritual force that animates man, like a, a dy- dynamic motor. The soul could be an angelic component of our being that's a force created um, as a motivator inside of man. He dismisses all any kind of description of lower grade relegated (coughs) definitions of soul and says no, a soul has the ultimate incomprehensible worth. The ultimate incomprehensible worth is that it is a part of Hashem himself. Meaning, in the spiritual hierarchy of things, the highest you're ever going to get is Hashem. There's a spiritual hierarchy, let's say. 
So they say you've got Hashem, but then there's descending order of spiritual beings. Call them Elohim, call them plants, planets, whatever it is. So now what point, at where, where's the source, where's the origin of the soul from? So we may say, well, the origin of the soul is from one of those lower realms. The Balatanya is pointing out that the origin of the soul is from the highest realm, which is incomprehensible to us, as the Chedek and the Kamal Mimamash. And now he wants to bolster that assumption by a verse which describes we are children to Hashem. And he says that's a reinforcement of the idea because the nature of a child is it carries with it the essence of the father. And the way I translated that into modern terminology is the child has the DNA of the father. It means every cell contains everything that the father had. Okay? Yeah. Better? Yeah. Good. Moving on. Moving on. Pirish. Just like the Ben is drawn down from the mind of the Father. So it is every Neshama drawn down from Hashem's wisdom. And we as human beings obviously cannot grasp this in its true sense. Um, investigating Hashem, will you ever find anything? My thoughts are not your thoughts, says Hashem. Okay? So therefore, we can't really get this. But the point that's relevant for us to grasp is the value, the incredible preciousness of the souls that we bear within us. And as I want you to speak about this idea, I want you just for a moment to think about yourselves and think about how do you identify? How do you identify yourselves? And the question of identity we've explored many times before, and it is a mystery. Identity is a mystery because simply by sitting down and asking you, well, let me ask a question. Are you your clothes? So I don't think anyone really believes they are their clothes, even though many people do put a lot of their identity into their clothes, especially when they are, as we said many times before, horsemen galloping along their left chest. But no one really believes that they're their clothes, but we do sometimes associate ourselves with that's, that's part of me. And then other people get caught up into the fact that their bodies and their faces and their ripped guns, le marshal, um, are, are how they identify themselves. If we go even deeper, so then it could be our emotions. But with all of these things, I say they are my clothes. They belong to me. It's my body. It belongs to me. It's my emotions, they belong to me. And it's my thoughts, they belong to me. Well, if I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my emotions, I'm not my body, I'm not my things. So what am I? Boom! The question of identity is a mystery. Because if the question of identity goes to a world beyond thoughts, so I can't use my rational mind to fathom it. That's called a mystery. So we're all living that mystery. We're all living with an eye that we can't really put into words we can't concretize it just lurks in the backer dimensions of self not really knowing how to get there and how to access it but we're totally cogent of the fact that I can see my thoughts who is seeing the thoughts if you close your eyes and you think about what you're thinking who is thinking about you who is that where is that what's going on who is this thing behind us all this consciousness this awareness so because the nature of soul is anyway such a mysterious idea, 
and anyway requires some kind of delving into an exploration, the Balatanya starts to develop an anatomy for us to explore that dimension. And he says, that other thing, that awareness, that consciousness, the part of me that's beyond everything, everything else inside of me, that thing, that ineffable essence, is a and it originates from the highest divine source however because it enters into the vitality of our experience of life through a series of filters when it becomes manifest as the physical experience of drinking a beer with the boys, we may not be able to access that loftiness in that moment because another function of the soul is to be encased in a series of cases a little bit like a babushka doll. Nice. I don't, I don't know if you guys know what a babushka doll is. It's a Russian wooden doll, which has a doll inside of a doll inside of a doll inside of a doll inside of a doll. So it's almost as if there's different, there's different encasings to the spiritual part of ourselves. And um, even though the core essence is beyond comprehension, but the way it gets filtered down are through the okay we'll speak about more how it gets filtered down okay anyway so, so far did they make it slightly clearer less clear not clear at all um, how are you feeling now as you just kind of stretched if you can just, just stretch your back and then turn you stretch your soul just a drop to stretch your soul uh, okay how do you do that I want you, you know, how do you how do you make your soul just a little bit more manifest? You know, you stretch, when, when I say stretch your muscles, so then that's not a problem. It's, it's accessible. And I can even, we can even stretch, our, stretch our emotions, you know. <laughs> Let's stretch our happiness muscle. <laughs> and I can stretch my thoughts by trying to fathom these ideas. So I can stretch all those parts. So now how do I stretch? How do I stretch my soul? I stretch my soul as well. How do I stretch my soul? And just make it a little bit more lithe and, and movable in my body and how do I do that? Get to mink on time. Thoughts, actions. So I think this may be a, a good place to stop because oh. the 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 Balatanya the, the Balatanya is going to now explore another interesting point. And it's going to be that there's a, there's actually a hierarchy of souls. And it's going to be a problem to suggest this because how can there be a hierarchy of souls if the origin is all in Hashem? Shouldn't it all be of the same nature? So that's where we're going to be going next. Thank you for your rapt mm-hmm. attention.